This is the Bob France Authority, broadcasting live from our nation's capital at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, holding their feet to the fire on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway as we continue live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, literally in the shadow of the capital, also in the heart of the swamp. And that's one of the reasons we are here with FAIR, the Federation of Americans for Immigration Reform, holding their feet to the fire 2018. It's seven minutes after 10 o'clock on the sixth morning of the ninth month in the year of our Lord 2018. We have talked to some incredibly dynamic people yesterday and so far today, thanks to Kevin Jackson, our last guest. And uh, I want to say a good morning and a welcome now to Sheriff Thomas Hodgson, who is the sheriff of Bristol County. Not on one of those border states where you might think that we need, uh, uh, you know, where we need to worry about uh, protecting. You're in Massachusetts, Sheriff. First of all, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Thanks Second, for having me. It's great to have you here. Not too many people, when they think about uh, um, areas affected by illegal immigration, you know, we think about our four border states, and we think about maybe some of the some of the other western uh, uh, states, and I can certainly say that in Ohio, we probably have a bigger problem than people realize. Most people wouldn't think that's the case in Massachusetts. They'd be wrong. Well, they'd be very wrong. In fact, Massachusetts is a magnet for illegals because of the policies of the former administration under Deval Patrick. But but more to the point, I mean, I, I've been asking this question often lately. How many miles is it from from Molly Tibbetts' hometown to the Mexican border? How many miles is it from Milford, Massachusetts to the Mexican border? We're in that town alone. In two years, we had three people killed by criminal illegal aliens. So, you know, this is all over the country. Look, for 20 years, Congress has failed to do its job. And uh, we have asked and asked them to pass the security aspects of immigration reform. They've refused to do it. They've played political games since day one. And um, and so finally, um, what's happened, of course, naturally over time, we've seen the transition of our neighborhoods in our communities become more violent, more sex trafficking, human trafficking. It's it's out of control. And, uh, and, and, and never mind the identity theft. So these are – every state now is a border state. Every, That's very true. Every state's a border state. And if you remember, um, not too long ago under the Obama administration, they were actually putting people on planes once they got across the border and shipping them to communities all over the nation. That's exactly right. They and wanted to take over military bases and make them temporary schools and all this nonsense. And we talk about, you know, one of the reasons why, the, and, and we'll talk about your meeting with the president, you and the other sheriffs yesterday uh, in a moment, but one of the reasons why we appreciate what President Trump has done in trying to end, catch, and release, because one of the things that they've been doing under the Obama administration is when they release these people and then say, hey, promise you're going to come back for your for your hearing, your, uh, your, your asylum hearing. They go as far away from wherever they crossed as they can, including, as you point out, you know, into really, you know, all, all 50 states. Well, maybe at least the 48 contiguous. But they, they do. They come to Ohio. Uh, there is a, a, a significant number of, uh, of illegal immigrants in the eastern part of the area, north, northeast Ohio, where I live, out in Lake County. It is a massive problem. Um, and I know it is in Massachusetts as well. But yours is a little different. As I understand it, the, the, the predominant number of illegal immigrants that you have found yourself uh, confronting in terms of criminal illegals especially are not Mexican. They're Portuguese. Well, early early on, when, my, when I started, that was the case. But okay. we've seen a huge transition, and we don't have as uh, – that's a small, very small percentage now. We're dealing with Dominicans. We're dealing how'd, you do, with, how'd you do it? How, how did you what, – what's the well, story? The, the, I, I started a, a uh, program with the Azorian government to try to proactively – create transition houses over there they became more aware they started being more educating people in their own country about listen don't go to the u.s and get get deported so they they were taking proactive steps but 
But it, it isn't how we did it, really. It's that we have so many more people coming through. MS-13, we've got all these these, these problem people. And, and I'll, I'll tell you something that's really, I think, important to point to support your point about uh, Ohio and all of that. Mm-hmm. I got a call from a border agent uh, when the former governor was in. I was trying to get secure, secure communities. He didn't want it. But I asked the federal government, move us up on the list because we got a lot of illegals coming in here from all over. Right. Brazil and other places. And um, and Guatemala. And so I said, so they said, okay, we'll move you up. Well, the governor was fighting me publicly back and forth in the papers. But anyway, I got a call one day from a border agent in, out in San Diego. He said, Sheriff, um, you don't know me. I'm a border agent at the checkpoint out here in San Diego. But I was reading, the reason I'm calling you, I was reading an article in the paper. I saw this thing with you and the governor in about you know, the secure communities thing and so forth. And he said, um, you know, the reason I'm calling you is we get about 20 people come across the border every day. We arrest them, but we don't have the facilities to hold them. So we take them to court, give them a summons. They got to come back. They never come back. He said, but that's not why I'm calling you. I'm calling you to tell you out here. The word is go to Massachusetts, go to Massachusetts. We're talking San Diego, California. Wow. Because they knew that there were policies and people in Massachusetts that we're going to be very liberal and sort of give them a place to lay low. And consequently, the people of Massachusetts suddenly become targets by criminals finding that to be the safe haven. Sure. And um, we have elected officials in this country and, I, and, and, and members of Congress as well who are more interested in protecting people who are violating our laws and saying, well, we're going to create a special class of people, give them a protective bubble, and you, their hands off. And we don't care if they victimize you. They have a right to be here. Well, no, they don't. They okay. have essentially said that. They have essentially said they care more about them than they do the actual victims. They're, they're victims. And it's not just Massachusetts. Um, and, and under Patrick, I can see exactly how that happened. But obviously, we're seeing more and more city. Look at Philadelphia's mayor dancing around uh, celebrating his sanctuary oh. city status. I mean, they are creating exactly that. Any city that declares itself to be sanctuary, uh, those people that the agent in San Diego told you about, they're going to flock to those places. They Absolutely. know they're not going to have to deal with any law enforcement there. And if they do get picked up, they're going to be let go rather than turned over to ICE. And so that's a very dangerous thing for all those communities. And the word and the word gets back across the border quickly. Sure. They know exactly where to go. So so look, this this idea of the sanctuary cities and we have the problem in Massachusetts, the Boston mayor, you got the and I was down here testifying before Congress a year or year two years ago, I can't remember, a year and a half. And Senator, uh, Congressman King asked me, Sheriff, what should be done for those people, those elected officials who are creating sanctuary and, tr- and these trust acts in these communities across the nation? I said, there's only one thing that can be done and should be done, uh, Congressman, and that is issue arrest warrants for every one of them. Under Title Eight, Section 1324, it clearly states, anyone who attempts to harbor or conceal someone they know to be in this country illegally is guilty of a felony under federal law. We need to enforce those laws. And suddenly, you're going to start to see sanctuary cities aren't going to be so popular. That's right. Because you're going to be held accountable. So that's that's the kinds of things we need to do. We're talking to Sheriff Thomas Hodgson from Bristol County, Massachusetts. You and about about four dozen or so, maybe more other sheriffs met yesterday with the President of the United States, taking your concerns to him. Tell us how that went. Well, um, we had a roundtable first with uh, all the policymakers, and then we went over and met uh, the President. But uh, we had 44, we have 44 sheriffs that have left their communities across the 35 states in this nation to come here. And number one, do a press conference yesterday morning at Capitol. Uh, Sam, I'm going to ask you to hold that music for a minute here. I want to spend a couple more minutes with uh, Sheriff Hodgson. Please hold that music. Uh, Sheriff, continue. So, so um, 
we, we had a press conference and we basically came here to tell Congress, listen, we've been 20 years. We sent a letter, 300 sheriffs signed about a month and a half ago telling you again about our concerns and how our, this is affecting our communities. We made a promise to the people and we're going to hold that promise. So here's the deal. We're all done. We, we announced the, the, um, the funding, a crowdfunding page now to help build the wall through the National Sheriff's Association at sheriffswall.org. And we're going to mobilize this nation, and we're going to mobilize the people so that they can get with the sheriffs. And we told the president this yesterday. When we went to meet with him, I said, Mr. President, I don't know if you heard, but we've announced a crowdfunding page to help you when Congress won't to get this money and build this wall. It's critical for our security. And um, we presented the president with a plaque, with a badge, and it, and it essentially said in the inscription, there's a new sheriff in town thanking him for supporting us in our efforts to enforce our nation's laws. And we told him, you made a promise at the, at the GOP convention that you were going to reinstate the, the rule of law when you got to the White House, and you've done all of that and more. So we're with you. We stand behind you. You have our back, and we've got yours. And we mean it. And we're going to move this country in the right direction with his leadership and we're going to start to get people back to the safe environments that they have a right to have. That is a, a phenomenal thing to hear, and I'm so glad that you and, and the president are on the same page. It's, of course, now very important to get some of the members of Congress on the same page as well to enact the president's agenda, to give you the support that we need to build that border wall, to, to do everything we can to try to uh, end chain migration and all the other things that have led to this. Um, I want to ask you one last question in closing, Sheriff Hodgson. Since you, you're talking to the president, and the president, of course, has been very outspoken on this uh, matter of kneeling and Colin Kaepernick and so on. Can you speak on behalf, as much as you can, of the law enforcement community about what Nike just did in naming Colin Kaepernick, who equates police officers, sheriffs, sheriff's deputies, to slave catchers, wears those pig uh, cop socks, uh, denigrates law enforcement across this country? Can you can you tell me how this makes law enforcement in the United States feel? Well, it... it it, I think it gives us two feelings. One is it's it's rather sad that they would they would degrade the people who get up every morning and go out there to try to save lives and put their lives on the line, leaving their families at home every day. But um, but the other feeling is that I think when you look at it, you you start to understand that this hate speech and things that are going on out there um, give you reason to to even double down on your mission, double down, be leaders, and. Remember who we, we're representing out there. We're representing all those people who count on us every day to be the standard bearer of their public safety, and we can never, ever deviate, no matter what people say, no matter how people feel. We have a mission, and we have to stay focused on it, and we will. Is the morale of uh, law enforcement officers, your deputies, higher now that President Trump is in office compared to the way it was for eight years when it appears, as though, you just did not have support from the President of the United States? Well, there's no question we didn't in, in the in the, in the the, the president, former president actually undermined law enforcement in our view. But, but yes, President Trump, and I said it to him yesterday, you have, you have helped law enforcement regain its footing in this country. And uh, that was critically important for us because it's the most fundamental responsibility the government has is to protect its citizens. And because of your uh, support, and he's been unyielding in his support of us, uh, he's, he's infused this... This whole new feeling inside of law enforcement that, yes, we are appreciated. Yes, we are on our mission. We are doing what needs to be done to not only protect the, the, the communities but to protect the nation. So we're grateful to him. Uh, we're going to stand with him in our efforts collectively, he and us, to protect the citizens of our nation. 
Sheriff, I cannot thank you enough for coming here, for stopping by to talk with us, and of course, more importantly, you and all the other sheriffs to meet with the president to kind of coordinate your efforts to protect the people in this country. I thank you so very much. Thanks so much, and thanks for what you're doing, Talk Radio. It's the way this country is going to move. That's exactly what our job is. That's what we're trying to do. We've got a country to save, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. Sheriff Thomas Thomas Hodgson from uh, Bristol County, Massachusetts, our latest guest, as we continue live here in Washington, D.C., in the shadow of the Capitol for holding their feet to the fire 2018, and we're back after this. Capital on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It is indeed, and we roll along now at ten twenty two. Live here at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, holding their feet to the fire twenty eighteen. This is the first. I could be wrong about this, Samuel. Help me out. I, I I think this is the first segment in the last two days where I do not have a guest scheduled. I can actually take a deep breath here and just talk about a couple of other important things. We have had. Is that right? We I think we had eight guests yesterday. We have four segments per hour, and we had every segment filled by guests yesterday. We had the first five segments of this program filled by wonderful guests here in Washington, D.C., and this is the first segment that I'll actually have a chance to breathe and talk about something at a little bit more of a... Uh, measured pace, <laughs> as opposed to trying to race through interviews to get to the next person. We've been uh, um, we've been trying to talk to as many different types of people who are so important in the immigration issue in this country as possible. That's why we're talking to law enforcement like Sheriff Hodgson. We talked with uh, Border Patrol Council uh, Vice President yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk with the former acting director of ICE. Tom Holman, coming up here in about, we'll call it 10 minutes, at about 10.35. Uh, We're talking with fair organizers. These are the people who are doing all of the work. Um, Such an important citizen activist group, an organization that uh, works in D.C., that tries to indeed, hence the name of the event that we're at, hold the feet of the uh, legislators to the fire to try to get them to do, as Congressman Jim Jordan says on this program all the time, what they said they'd do. They said they would protect the people of this country from the scourge of illegal immigration. And it is a scourge. People need to understand that. And that's not a racist statement. This is just the fact uh, you know, of the situation. It is, it is costing us hundreds of billions of dollars every year. Let me say that again. Well over about, a one and a half, about, about $150 billion a year. Illegal immigration costs the taxpayers of this country. That is a massive scourge on the country. It is not a racist statement. It is not about brown people or blue people or green people or orange people. It is about illegal versus legal. And people who are here illegally are indeed causing great pains to the United States from an economic standpoint to, of course, a criminality standpoint. The number of crimes committed is simply off the charts by criminal aliens who are coming across. That does not mean every alien, of course, who comes to the United States or overstays their visa is a criminal, but there are enough of them that we have to stop the flow so that we can figure out who is who and, uh, and, and only allow people who have something to add to this country rather than those who take from this country. A little backgrounder here for you. 
on uh, this uh, event, Holding Their Feet to the Fire. It's the 12th annual. Again, we've got more than 65 talk radio hosts from around the country uh, here on Capitol Hill. And we're discussing and we're debating immigration policy. And we're talking with all of these individuals. I've I've talked to uh, numerous um, uh, congressional representatives these last couple of days as well. Talked to property owners down there on the southern border who see illegal immigrants vandalizing their property harming their livestock, uh, uh, depleting their water supplies so the livestock starve uh, and, uh, and dehydrate, uh, running drugs across the border. We've talked to them. This is the 12th year that they have done this, and we're trying to get the message to, uh, to Congress that we cannot continue like this. This absolutely has to stop. Uh, it started in 2006. A handful of talk show hosts, and I had Dave Ray on to talk about this uh, last, yesterday, they approached Fair and they said, can we come to, broadca- uh, to broadcast our shows from Capitol Hill to draw more attention to this? There was just about five talk show hosts that did this. Now there are 65. And sadly, the need continues. While they have not been able to, they being FAIR and other organizations like Numbers USA, uh, like the Center for Immigration Studies, we talked to Mark Krikorian, the executive director of that organization today. While they have not been successful in getting enough uh, you know, lobbying together and getting enough votes to pass comprehensive immigration reform in the Congress, what they have done is they have uh, alerted their voters, constituents and listeners all across this country. You know, there may be 65-plus here, but there are hundreds of talk radio show hosts uh, like this one around the country that are sounding the alarm. And guess what people are doing? They're responding. They're voting for Republicans. And that's not for partisanship. That's for simply immigration concerns. There are a lot of people in this country who are one-issue vo- uh, one voters. If your one issue is immigration, there's, there's no question. You don't vote for members of a party who have made it their their stance, you know, their platform to abolish law enforcement agencies like ICE. You vote for the party that is represented by people who want to grow and expand and hire more ICE agents to root out the illegal immigrants who are criminals in this country, to build the border wall, to protect the uh, the border, and to thus protect your families. So that's what FAIR has done in the last 12 years of holding, holding uh, this event, holding their feet to the fire. They are literally uh, changing the way Washington, D.C. is made. It's made up of, anyway, and giving power to those who believe uh, in uh, the rule of law and in security and in sovereignty is exactly what this is all about. The outcome of this year's midterms, Bob Dane said, he's the executive director of FAIR, is going to determine whether President Trump will have an opportunity to fully deliver on his campaign promise. To build the wall, to secure the borders, to stop illegal immigration, to embrace national security, to rein in sanctuary policies, and to push for the reforms that will serve our our broad American interests. That's what these midterms are all about. So we're here today, two months before the midterms. In fact, today, right? September 6th, November 6th. Uh, I believe the election is November 6th. This is what we're here for today, two months in advance, begging you to do the right thing, to get the right people here in Congress. And by the way, you know, if some of the members of Congress have ours after their name, but they're not doing their job, they're not voting to uh, pass this immigration reform, they're not voting to fund this border wall, then they need to go as well. There may be an occasional Democrat who says, yes, I will vote for the wall. There may be an occasional uh, independent or moderate Democrat who, uh, who says, I will do this. 
do what is right for the people. Do what is right for this country. Do what is right for our borders, not just what is right for a party. All right. Uh, it's coming up on 1030. We'll get our news now. And on the other side of that, Tom Holman, the former acting director of ICE Immigration and Customs Enforcement, will join us next right here on AM 1420. The answer from Washington, D.C. feet to the fire. It's the Bob France Authority, live from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. We are indeed live as we continue on AM 1420. The answer here in the shadow of the Capitol here in Washington, D.C. It is our final half hour. It's been an amazing two days. It's a series of events going on here. I just spoke with Sheriff Thomas Hodgson, who was in town along with about four dozen other sheriffs to meet with the president yesterday to coordinate and collaborate on their efforts to secure uh, the people of this country, but whether they be American citizens or whether they be legal residents, but to protect against uh, criminal illegal aliens who continue to, to plague this country. And joining us now is a man who, if the Democratic Party had its way, uh, would would not have had a job. He is the retired acting director of ICE, the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agency, uh, that is responsible for uh, essentially uh, protecting the sovereignty of this nation. Tom Homan joins us now here in Washington D.C. Uh, director Homan, good to have you back, sir. How are you? Whoops! I'm sorry. Hold on. I got to turn that microphone on. It works better that way. Uh, I'm okay. doing. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. It, you know what I just said was you know a little tongue in cheek, but I mean in in truth, you know they're still screaming. The, the Democrat politicians in this country are still trying to outdo one another as far as their presidential campaigns about how opposed to ICE they are. You're being compared your organization that you retired from uh, compared to Nazis, being compared to all kinds of other hate groups. Uh, terror. I think one. Of, I think I think it was Christian Gillibrand called you a terrorist group. Um, can you discuss the role of ICE in this country, and how do you feel when you hear these people talking about law enforcement in such a way? Well, ICE, we enforced over 400 laws um, in criminal statutes. Enforcing immigration law is one of them. Uh, we do that. I know it's unpopular, and it's controversial to many people, but it shouldn't be. We, we have a right to be a sovereign country. We have the right to protect our borders. We have the right to decide who comes in and out of this country. That's just that's just the way a sovereign country should operate, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. And we should we should uh, uh, appreciate the men and women that enforce those laws. But we also ICE also enforces drug, drug trafficking laws, drug smuggling laws, gun trafficking laws, child predator crimes, child pornography, um, uh, visa security program. ICE's investigation last year prevented eight thousand people from getting a visa where derogatory information was found during investigation that would. That would be a danger to this country. Uh, we have, we sit in over 50 countries across the globe trying to protect uh, America from people entering this country from foreign places, uh, trying to you know, play the away game rather than playing the home game. Uh, uh, just I can go on and on and on. You know, uh, technology. There's 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 we we have a, a group that looks at technology being smuggled out of the United States that people are not supposed to have, like missile technology that can fall into the wrong hands and kill our war fighters. We look at intellectual property rights. We look at human trafficking, sex trafficking of children. I mean, so many things that not just a national security nexus, but a, but a public safety nexus. So we do much more in immigration enforcement. And as far as these politicians that want to cause Nazis and racists, you know, we're not anti-immigrant. We're anti-illegal alien because we enforce the laws. It's just it's black and white. 
you know, we're law enforcement agency that enforces the laws enacted by Congress. We're not making this stuff up. Everything, every person we arrest is in, in, in the country in violation of the law. And they'll say that we don't prioritize criminals, and they're wrong. They, they, they hide the truth because 89% of everybody ICE arrested last year had a criminal history, which means they either had a criminal conviction right. or they were pending criminal charges. If you look at, um, as far as the statements made by those that want to vilify the men and women of ICE, it's, it's really a shame that a member of Congress enacts a law um, that we are supposed to enforce. They budget us to enforce those laws, and we do it. They badmouth us. If they don't like what we do, they're the legislature. They can certainly change the law. That's rather very well than, said. But rather than doing their job, it's easier to point your fingers at a federal law enforcement agent. Can you? We're talking to Tom Homan, who is now a Fox News contributor. He is the former acting director of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Explain to me the evolution of ICE from what was once the INS. Some of the some of the Democrats who say abolish ICE, they're saying it's not like we don't think we need an agency like this, but we prefer it to be like it was back when it was INS. Can, was, you, can you tell the difference? It's no different. I mean, uh, ICE is split into two, two or, uh, enforcement operations. you got Homeland Security investigations that do most of the criminal investigations I just described. Then you get enforcement mover operations who do a lot of the administrative work, and they're the ones that seek out Aliens are in the country illegally. They arrest them. They detain them. They remove them. So back before ICE, that would be the INS. The INS would conduct both criminal investigations and uh, administrative investigations. What when they say abolish ICE, what they're not telling American people is, is all these 400 crimes that would not be um, uh, investigated. investigated. Right. But let's just stick to the immigration because I'm not going to run away from that issue. The President Trump was exactly right a few weeks ago. He says. Abolishing ICE equals open borders. It absolutely does because if you are you lucky enough to sneak by the Border Patrol, you get into the United States, no one's going to be looking for you. If you get arrested by the Border Patrol and asked to see a judge and you get released pending that hearing, no one's going to be looking for you, even if you get order removal. If you overstay a visa, no one's going to be looking for you. So it absolutely does mean open borders, and that's what they really want. And I'm you know I'm insulted by the, the language about abolishing ICE, but also. I hope they keep talking about it because I think the American people are smarter than that. I think the American people are seeing what's going on. They understand that equals open borders. I think they're hurting themselves because I think most American people, the vast majority of American citizens, want to be a sovereign nation. Absolutely. They want the laws enforced. They want the border protected. And by calling for the abolishment of ICE, you're moving the exact, exact opposite direction. Yeah, I completely concur. I think the vast majority of the American people do want you to do what you do, and they do want to protect this country. And when I listen to the to the Democratic politicians, I just wonder what what they ex, what they expect this country would look like. You just listed all of those different jobs that ICE has, all the different types of investigations that you do, and whether we stay on immigration or look at all of the above. Can, the crime rate in this country would be astronomical. I cannot imagine without a federal agency like this doing their dirty work that, quite frankly, we can't expect local and state law enforcement agencies to do. Look, when I left ICE, uh, what was it, June, so almost three quarters of the year, ICE has already arrested over 100,000 criminals. 100,000 criminals off the streets of, the, of, of, our, of our country. Um, they've already seized 980,000 pounds of narcotics. They already put 2,000 sexual predators behind bars. They rescued over 1,000 children from sex trafficking. That's what happens when you get rid of ICE. Yeah. And we talk about New York where Governor Cuomo called them thugs and said he's going to arrest them. Oh, that's another one. I heard terrorists, Nazis. I forgot about thugs. You're right. Yeah. And in New York State, just this past year, ICE arrested over 5,000 criminals off the street in New York that walked out of his sanctuary jails. Many. Right. 
Um, I'm from upstate New York, and when I was a director, we spent a lot of money on upstate New York on the northern border working with the state and local law enforcement to fight the opioid fentanyl crisis and, and sex trafficking and the cross-border crime between U.S. and Canada. So ICE officers and agents have actually done a lot to protect New York and the citizens of New York. So rather than calling them names and threatening prosecution, a thank you letter would be appreciated. Are you, um, are you, because I know you're a Fox News contributor now, so you're essentially a member of the media, but I know you're still active behind the scenes. Um, what kind of uh, coordination or collaboration have you been able to have with any members of Congress to say, look, President Trump was right. We need you guys to pass what he promised he would do, not only building the wall, but ending the chain migration, the ending the visa diversity lottery, so that your guys can actually get a little bit of a break here. Well, before I retired, I was up on Hill numerous times yeah. with Secretary Nielsen. I've been up there with uh, the head of CBP and CIS, asking Congress to close the loopholes that entice more illegal entry. We talk about the family separation issue that people got really upset over. You know, if you think about which, by it, the way, wasn't an ICE issue, right? That's Border Patrol exactly. that has to deal with those things, and that's where that's people where don't know that the intentional mismessaging by those that want to destroy ICE. So that's when the whole policy started. It's like, and I was pretty angry. I said, wait a minute. You, you need to know the difference in the agencies. That Border Patrol didn't. I don't, I don't vilify the Border Patrol. Not at all. They, didn't have to do they it. had to do their job. But it wasn't nice. But we've been up here numerous times to uh, ask them to close the loophole. So if you want, you want to blame somebody for family separations? Blame Congress. Because we told them a year and a half ago, close the, the floor of settlement agreement loophole. If you want these families to come to the country and claim asylum, they have the right to do that. We certainly agree with that. But let us hold them in the family residential center, not a jail, right. family residential center, long enough to see a judge, which usually takes 35 to 40 days. They didn't want to fix it because a, a, a Ninth Circuit decision um, said we can only hold them 20 days. The system doesn't work that well, which means they all get released. Either they don't show up in court, or if they show up in court and get a final order, they don't leave. There's only one way to guarantee you actually get due process to see a judge to hold them. Isn't that what they want? It's not what they want because they know that over 80% of loser cases and they'll right. be removed, exactly. which they don't want. So if you want to blame family separation, if they would have fixed that loophole a year ago, a year and a half ago, like we asked them to, never would happen. But again, Congress failed the American people. Congress has continued to fail on a number of the issues regarding, regarding uh, comprehensive immigration reform. Do you predict, uh, uh, Director Homan, that we're ever going to get our wall? We better. I mean, uh, I started in the Border Patrol in 1984 in the San Diego sector. And I worked the soccer fields uh, six to seven day overtime where a thousand aliens run across the field at night. Um, it was like it was a madhouse. The minute they built a border barrier there, it had an immediate direct impact on illegal crossing went down. Every place they built that wall, whether it's San Diego, Yuma, El Paso, someplace in Texas, it had an immediate impact. It just shows it's effective 100% of the time. Um, so why would you not want it? It works. So it people say, oh, the cost of the wall. It has to be modernized, though, because, you know, we saw the, when, when the Honduran hordes came over about two months ago, they're sitting on top of that wall mocking and well, waving the Honduran flag and mocking. And the, and the Border Patrol has been very consistent on this. It's just not a wall. It's, it's technology is strong in that. Right. The, the, the assets to respond to it. It's a mix of a lot of different things. But it has proved effective. So people say, well, it's cost too much. So what price are you going to put on national security and public safety? It's proven it's effective. We need to stick with it. The president has a good idea. We need to make it happen. Well, you know, they talk about the cost, uh, Director Holman. FAIR has crunched all of the numbers. The gross cost to the U.S. taxpayers uh, of illegal immigration every single year, at least this is for 2017, $135 billion 
135 billion, about about uh, 45 billion in uh, um, uh, gross federal uh, federal expenditures, and about another 88 billion in state and local expenditures. That's what it's costing us. A 25 billion dollar wall is a drop in a bucket. Amazing. I mean, it really is, and it would be a very very wise investment. Uh, former ICE director Tom Homan joining us. He's now a Fox News contributor. Director, you're doing a great job. You're educating and informing people every time I see you on television. I'm glad you're here in D.C. working with all these fine folks, and I thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Let's thank keep you. educating the American people. Amen to that. I will reach back out again. I'd love to have, have okay. you back on the program. A little easier. We'll do it by phone next time. But thanks very, very much, Director Holman. All right. It's uh, 1045, and uh, we've got one segment left of our broadcast here from the Federation for American Immigration Reform, and we're going to wrap it up with FAIR themselves. That's right. We're going to talk to um, Matt O'Brien, FAIR Director of Research, Vetting, and National Security Expert. He will join us as we continue right here on AM 1420, The Answer. We continue now at 10.50, our final segment of the broadcast today, our final segment of our two-day sojourn here into the swamp here in Washington, D.C. We're just uh, outside of the U.S. Capitol. We continue at the Federation of Americans for Immigration Reform holding their feet to the fire 2018. I was just looking for a liner they gave me uh, to talk, talk about supporting FAIR. I can't find it, but I'm just going to tell you. Go to FAIRUS.org, and there's going to be a donate button somewhere on that webpage. FAIRUS.org. This is, these are all tax-deductible donations that you can make to support uh, the operations of this uh, tremendous organization that has brought together 60-plus talk show hosts from around this country, dozens and dozens and dozens of guests from law enforcement to angel families to law makers and so on and so forth, all in an effort to put a, a big white hot spotlight on the fundamental problem of criminal illegal alien, uh, aliens in this country. And so I want to say thank you to them for having us out here. And you can thank them and support them again at fairus.org. Uh, go ahead and click the donate button there. Anything that you can give helps put things like this together for us. And speaking of fair, joining us now to wrap it up is Matt O'Brien. He's the fair director of research and vetting, and he's a national security expert. Uh, Matt, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. How are you, sir? Thank you for having me on. You told me off the air this is your second uh, 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 Holding Their Feet to the Fire event. Can you uh, give us a little comparison last year to this year, bigger and better? Bigger and better. Uh, We have more hosts and more guests this year. Which is awesome, yeah. And the, the, as I was saying to you off the air, the the variety of guests, the diversity of guests. You know, you got people who are in positions of power here on the Hill, and you got lawmakers uh, 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 in other states. You've got uh, you've got law enforcement agencies represented. We've talked to cops and sheriffs and everything else, to ICE, uh, to, uh, uh, to Border Patrol, and so on, to victims. Uh, you know, down there along the border, people don't realize how comprehensive the problem is, which is why we need comprehensive immigration reform. That's 100% correct. Uh, Immigration is one of those things that most people don't think of, but it affects nearly everything in the United States, from jobs in the economy to our culture to national security. So it's probably the biggest issue confronting the United States at the current time. Matt, I'm uh, looking at your business card, which is about the size of a poster board, because uh, (laughs) you've served as the chief of the National Security Division within the Fraud Detection and National Security Directorate at the U.S. uh, at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Like I said, that's one big business card there. In short, you were responsible for formulate, formulating and implementing procedures to protect the legal immigration system from terrorists, foreign intelligence operatives, and other national security threats. Can you expand on that, what that means? 
Sure. So uh, that uh, is a big fancy title for what essentially is the Investigations Division at Citizenship and Immigration Services. And so we would do all the background checking of people who are applying for immigration benefits to make sure that they were not terrorists, organized crime figures, foreign intelligence operatives, human traffickers, all of those kind of things. So this is the organization that does the vetting and the quote-unquote extreme vetting that President Trump promised when he came into office. It's 100% correct. And vetting is just a fancy word for a background check. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to seek sources of information that you can verify things people tell you against. And and when it was obviously very controversial, Matt, when the president said, you know, we're going to we're going to suspend uh, immigration, legal immigration from any of these and the refugee uh, uh, resettlement from from a number of terror sponsoring countries until we can figure out a better way to vet an extreme vetting situation so that we can separate true refugees seeking asylum and refuge from whatever their war-torn country's problems are from those who are trying to infiltrate those hordes into coming into the United States in order to do harm. Um, Can you explain that? Can you explain the difference between the way vetting had always been done to the kind that the president was trying to implement? Sure. So what you're doing when you're dealing with vetting issues is, is you're, you're trying to find a record, a pattern that a person left that establishes that they are who they say they are. So if you're here in the U.S., you know, you pull out your CVS card in the pharmacy, you use your debit card to pay for things, you have a driver's license, uh, you have an easy pass. Some countries like Yemen don't have any of those systems in place. So it becomes extremely difficult if someone says, I am person X, I was born on X date, and I have this refugee claim. It becomes difficult to substantiate who they are and where they're from. So what the Trump administration did is they said, we're going to stop and take a look at whether we should be admitting these people from these countries at all if we cannot vet them to a standard where we say that they are not likely to pose a threat to the safety of Americans. So what was so controversial about that? That sounds sounds pretty reasonable. That's exactly what we should be doing. But, um, you know, they tried to make this some sort of a Muslim ban. They tried to make this about religion and racism and everything else. Well, in truth, it wasn't con- uh, controversial at all. Uh, all of the last six presidents have used the 1182F power to put uh, temporary halts on immigration from various places. Uh, the Democrats have done it as much, if not more, than the Republicans. Uh, it was a manufactured hysteria by people who want to undermine the Trump presidency because they simply don't like the fact that we now have a president who is paying attention to the American people. Now that the president kind of won that battle uh, with the Supreme Court saying essentially that, yes, we can go ahead and do these things, are the uh, proper improvements being made to the vetting procedure? I mean, because the, the, the trouble is, of course, what a lot of people didn't understand is that in Syria, you know, part of Syria and Syria's towns were, were controlled by Assad and part of them were controlled by ISIS when they overran them, which means they took over government offices, which means they could either, you know, uh, doctor or destroy um, documentation that could tell us who somebody is who wants to come to the United States from from Syria. So that's, I, I don't even know, even with the extreme vetting procedures, how do we trust what we're getting from these foreign governments? Well, it's very difficult to trust. I mean, if it's an ally like France or England with whom we have a good relationship, then you you can put some faith in that information. Which is why they weren't on the list of banned countries. Uh, But some of these other countries, not so much. And, you know, the fact is, this was a very straightforward thing that the president did that's been done by numerous other presidents. It was people that didn't like him and like what he stands for that, that complained about it. And I would recommend to your audience the uh, Trump v. Hawaii decision was one of the most non-technical, easy-to-read Supreme Court decisions that's come out in ages. And they talk about the fact that the, the president 
uh, engaged in a systematic review of the vetting of these countries. They told the countries what they needed to do to comply right. and how to get off the list. They actually took one of the countries off the list. Uh, it's escaping me which one, but I think it might have been Somalia, surprisingly. But uh, So this, this was not anything all that controversial, and the decision is very enlightening, and anyone who uh, is interested in it should be able to read it and understand it completely. It was very well written. Well, you know, because all, all one has to really do is read a, a, a couple of sentences in the Immigration and Nationality Act to prove that it's the president has the right to make these decisions. It is not up to Congress. It's not up to the courts. It is specifically left to the executive to make those decisions. Correct. Um, there's an argument that it's specifically left to the executive under what's called uh, the inherent power of the presidency. There's also a, a doctrine called the plenary powers doctrine right. that says it's a, a foreign affairs issue. But on top of that, Congress, at the time that it, it passed the Immigration and Nationality Act, was so sure that they wanted the executive branch to have complete control over this that they specifically said that in the statute that was at issue in the Trump v. Hawaii case, and it was in about as plain English as possible to write a statute. Matt, uh, in the minute or so that we have left, do you feel as though the people in that big building over there with the dome on it are paying attention when we have events like this? Are they listening? I know we've had over 40, FAIR has put together over 40 congressional representatives here to talk to us. Are they listening and are we having an impact? Um, I think we're having an impact because we are encouraging voters who care about this issue to get in touch with their legislators and, and to tell the legislators how they feel about the issue. Um, are the people who are against us on this issue paying attention? I don't think so, but I think this is a great forum for the legislators who believe that we need an orderly immigration system to come here, and we've had a number of, of legislators through here, and, and speak about why they think it's important and, and talk to their constituencies. So I think the situation is improving under the Trump administration, but we still have a long way to go. Two months from today, America will vote on the leadership of this country in the House. How important is it to get people there to, to maintain control, people who support what FAIR is doing with respect to immigration? We live in the greatest democracy in the entire world, and the best thing that anyone can do to preserve that is go out and exercise their right to vote. And vote in favor of true comprehensive immigration reform and national security and national sovereignty rather than the open border society that is uh, impo that, it, that would be imposed by a Democrat majority. Matt O'Brien, FAIRS, Director of Research and Vetting and National Security Expert. Matt, thank you. Thank you very Individually, much. and thanks, thank you to FAIR and the entire organization for having us out here. Thanks. That is going to wrap it up for our broadcast live here from Washington, D.C. I'll be back in the studios of Cleveland at AM 1420, The Answer, tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Mike Gallagher is next. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence.